Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, well, today is a little bit of a restart again uh, for our small, young community. Uh, we're meeting in the, at the Heights Theater this morning at 10 a.m. I hope you will join us sometime in the next uh, few weeks to come check it out. It's going to be uh, different and fun, and I'm excited to do something new again. Uh, but I, I want to tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about you know how we got here, but first I just want to tell you thank you. Uh, thank you for being who you are, for your calls and your texts, and uh, for giving and for helping and serving. And um, over the last three weeks, I have felt a lot of things. <laughs> I have been angry and um, sad and confused. But through all of it, because of who you are, um, I have been really, really grateful. I am so grateful um, to serve and lead in this community uh, because you are amazing. And if you didn't know, let me give you a little bit of context. If you didn't know, at the end of April, on April 29th, our building in the Heights on 10 and a half Street um, had a pretty serious fire. There was a fire that started in the building next to us, jumped over to ours. And pretty much everything in our building on 10 and a half Street uh, was either touched by fire or water. It was a, a lot of damage, like a, a lot of damage. It was in very, very bad shape. You can't see it all from the outside, um, but, it, but, a, but a lot of damage. Uh, but no one was hurt, and everything is replaceable, and we have great landlords, and so we are pushing forward. One foot in front of the other, just like we always do, and we've ended up at the Heights Theater, uh, which is a gift. And let me tell you how we got here. So I was, um, after we shared about the fire, I, w I was kind of overwhelmed with um, options for temporary worship space. So a lot of churches reached out and said, hey, we have this room or this basement or this fellowship hall that might work for you. And um, I had questions, of course, about um, whether we could meet for an extended time, because we, we don't really know our timelines. It's going to be months and months, but we don't know exactly what it is. And questions about affordability, of course. We're a small church on a budget. Um, I had questions about parking and space for kids, all of the normal church questions. But those were secondary for me, to be honest. My first question was this. Is it safe? Is it safe for our community? And we tell you every week uh, in our liturgy, at the very beginning, usually Morgan or Marissa will tell you in person, um, that we want, we're hoping that when you're with us, that this is a safe place, that you don't have to pretend or defend. That's our kind of minimum definition of safety, that you don't have to pretend or defend, that you get to be your whole true self, and that you don't have to be defensive about any of it. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to worry. You don't have to compare. You don't have to pretend or defend. And so um, I toured some of these spaces in traditional churches. And um, as I walked through those traditional churches, I saw in my mind the faces of our LGBTQ members who wouldn't be allowed to serve or lead in those churches that were offering space. And when I saw the white Jesuses in stained glass, I thought of our black and brown members who just deserve better. And when I smelled that church smell 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. It's like old carpet mixed with hymnals mixed with like hair salon perm or something. I'm not exactly sure uh, the formula, but there's a smell. And when I smelled that church smell, for me, I remembered the hardship, the abuse that I and so many others have suffered in these traditional church spaces. And, and, and for me, as the leader here, there wasn't a discount big enough. There wasn't a large enough number of convenient parking spaces to ask you to worship in a space that wouldn't be safe for you. And then the Heights Theater called, and they offered their space at a very large discount, very generously, for as long as we need it, on a very flexible timeline. And my hope, just like always, just like every week, no matter where we are, is that because of who you are, because of who we are collectively, that this concert venue on 19th Street in the Heights would become for us a sanctuary for the broken and the tired and the hurt and the doubting. And that hopefully, hopefully, together, we can be a truly safe space. And so we're continuing in our year with Jesus, and we're focusing solely on the life and the teaching, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason that we want to be a safe place, the reason that this is a core part of our mission, a foundational part of our identity, is because Jesus was walking sanctuary. Jesus embodied and then offered divine safety and healing everywhere he went. And there are a lot of examples of this, but there's a really well-known passage we're going to look at today. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna. When folks are laying down their palm branches and shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then just after this kind of royal parade, Jesus makes his way to the temple. And this is what happens in Matthew 21, starting in verse 12. It says, Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. I wonder if you've heard this story. You've maybe at least heard it referenced, of Jesus turning over tables. And in your Bible, it might be titled something like uh, The Cleansing of the Temple. It's kind of a classic. It's in all four of the gospel, in the all four of the gospels, and not every story is repeated like that in the gospels. And so you, we can kind of at least infer it's a, it's an important part of the Jesus narrative. But let me give you a little bit of context. So, throughout Jesus's ministry, you probably know this. He's he's traveling from town to town, and he's offering healing, cleansing the forgiveness of sins, kind of everywhere he goes, right? So he's healing the blind and the leper. He's forgiving people left and right in all these small towns and villages. And these were things, the forgiveness of sins and healing, these are things that would have or maybe should have happened at the temple. You would go to the temple to receive forgiveness of sins, to be healed. But instead of these sick and marginalized and poor folks having to travel to the temple, and participate in this temple system with sacrifices and formulas and intermediaries, Jesus heals on the spot. 
He forgives on the spot. Right? No temple. No intermediary. No exchange of goods. And so when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and flips the tables and drives out the money changers who are selling animals to be sacrificed, he's casting judgment on the whole temple system, but really he's just continuing what he had been doing in his ministry of saying, there can be a different way. Right? That these money changers, right, that they're selling animals to be sacrificed. So you had to buy an animal, a sheep, or it says here doves. You had to buy an animal based on the seriousness of your sin to then go into the temple and have it sacrificed so that you could receive the forgiveness of sins. And it's pretty easy to see how this kind of system could be used and weaponized to hurt the marginalized and the poor, the disabled, those who are maybe outcast or mocked by the religious elite. You can imagine pretty easily that if you were poor, marginalized, disabled, mocked, outcast, it might be hard for you to get to the temple to spend money you don't have to gain divine forgiveness. You could see how it could be leveraged, used, weaponized to hurt those people. And um, sometimes if folks didn't have money, um, they still got to get the animal, but they were charged a debt with really high interest. So maybe if you're poor, um, now you're just paying down debt to the money changers. And um, one of the reasons we know that the system was oppressive is um, from a first century Jewish Roman historian named Josephus. Maybe you've heard of Josephus. Uh, we have Josephus's writings. You can read what Josephus writes. And he writes a lot about this war that happens around 66, 68. That's it. That's the year, 66. Uh, when the temple was overthrown, uh, and so Josephus talks about the temple being overthrown, and one of the first things that the rebels do when they overthrow the temple. So this is the rebellious act. They take the temple, they overthrow it, and the first thing they do is that they burn the records of temple debt. That's their big act of rebellion, to do away with temple debt from the people who are still paying down a debt that allowed them to receive divine forgiveness. That, that's, how, that's one of the clues that we know that the system was used to oppress the poor and the marginalized, the disabled and the outcast. And so Jesus is casting judgment on this temple system that oppresses these people. And Jesus quotes from Isaiah 56 and says, My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And as soon as these tables are flipped and the money changers are driven out, look at who shows up. Right, The money changers are driven out. Jesus makes this declaration. And then it says that the blind and the lame come to him and they are healed. These are the folks who were being left out. They were being oppressed. They couldn't get the forgiveness that they wanted, the healing they wanted. The temple was profitable, but it wasn't safe for everyone. The temple was efficient, but it wasn't safe for everyone. It was a good temple, but a bad sanctuary. And Jesus is walking sanctuary. When Jesus shows up, the marginalized, the poor, the disabled, the outcast, the mocked, they show up too because Jesus is safe. 
And when Jesus encounters at the temple this system that is keeping people out, the system that is actively oppressing those who need healing and forgiveness the most, Jesus casts judgment and drives out those powers and principalities in order to create a safe place for those who need it. Jesus is walking sanctuary. And this gather is our mission. It doesn't matter if we're in a warehouse or a historic house or a concert venue or online today. We want to be a sanctuary for the broken and the burdened and the tired. Right? The church has always, the people of God have always been meant to be more hospital than leadership academy. Right? We're, we're not hoping that less powerful people come here and then gain more power because they participate with us. Right? No. We want the broken to heal. We want the tired to find rest. We want the lonely to find community. We want folks to accept their acceptance, their inherent worthiness. And when you accept love, you love. When you get healed, you heal. When you get free, you help free someone else. This, our community, is meant to be, designed to be a sanctuary for the broken, not a social club for the powerful. And the church has too often shirked those profound words of Jesus. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And uh, you, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And church has allowed the wealthy and the powerful to leverage their wealth and their power in order to create systems and policies and ideologies that keep the powerful in their privileged places, all while sacrificing the poor, the hurting, and the afraid, the abused. And I get, as a community, as a leader, I get that it's probably bad for the budget to say things like Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ folks should, can, are in our community serving at every level of the church. But the church isn't a social club. The church isn't meant for the powerful to come and leverage their power against other people in order to maintain their power. The church is a sanctuary for those who have been left out, who have been hurt, who have been broken. And those folks, those folks who have been hurt and broken and marginalized, they should be prioritized. Our decision-making gets filtered through are we providing sanctuary for them? Not, is it a good deal for our powerful folks? Are we providing sanctuary for folks who have been hurt? The marginalized should be prioritized. We, now, on the move, we are a mobile sanctuary. On Main Street, in between Heights and Yale, on 19th, it doesn't matter. What we do as a community is we provide sanctuary. And this, I believe, is the way of Jesus. Every time we offer sanctuary to the marginalized, instead of catering to the powerful, we are embodying the way of Jesus. Every time we act as a loving, caring, inclusive family, we are embodying the way of Jesus. We are in awe. We are inspired by the radical words of that first century Jewish rabbi who was healing the sick, turning over the tables of oppression, cleansing the leper, including the outcast, and forgiving the sinner. That rabbi, Jesus, said, go and do likewise. 
And so here we are, a sanctuary for all. And so for you, has your religious experience with church and with church leaders and church people, I wonder for you, has it been safe? I know you maybe sang songs and listened to sermons in a sanctuary, but I wonder if you were safe. And for us, again, just our baseline is, do you, did you, have you, do you feel like you have to pretend or defend? Are you able to be your true self? Do you feel like you have to prove something when you show up? Are you automatically defensive? Are you in that fight or flight mode? Or do you feel safe? And I wonder if you imagine God to be safe, that being in relationship to God, being a safe place. But I think a lot of us have some distance still between us and God. And I don't think um, we're, I don't think most of us are like pretending for God or even that we feel like we have to defend ourselves. I, I think we have this understanding that, you know, maybe we could just, we could bring it all to God. And I don't think we're pretending. I think a lot of us are just ignoring God and the spirituality that maybe shaped us. Now we're just kind of ignoring it. We just ignore prayer, spiritual practices, participation, because we just imagine it to be a place where we can't be ourselves. We're not pretending. We're just ignoring and not dealing with it at all. I would just encourage you to maybe... um, Maybe read through the Psalms this week. And I know um, I, I know that you're like, okay, Bible reading, that's been hard for me. But I'm telling you, if you just read through the Psalms as a reminder that God's people have imagined God to be a safe place, that you can say all the wild stuff. The Psalms, you can imagine them as, as people literally screaming at God. Most of them are lament. There's a lot of praise. The ones we know, but there's a lot of lament. And maybe read those lament psalms this week and be reminded that you can do that too. You can yell and scream and curse at God. You can. God is a safe place. Then I, I just wonder if you have, um, if you, who you are, if you are a safe person, if you allow people, if you give people space to be themselves, if you um, create places in your life where you say, I'm going to let people show up and I'm not going to make them defend themselves. I'm not going to make them prove anything to me. There's no test here. I wonder if you are a safe person. I think you are. Our hope as a community, as a church, is that we embody this way of Jesus and become a sanctuary wherever we are a safe place for everyone. And so for me, a lot of this started a, a few years ago, uh, before the church, before Gather existed in, in any way, in a particularly painful and um, chaotic and difficult uh, on every level kind of season. This is about five years ago. Just kind of everything in our life was exploding at once. And there was a day where I met with two of my mentors on the same day. I had a breakfast and a lunch schedule. And these were both uh, church leader kind of people. And I was struggling. Like at the, I know you've had these days, like at the peak of my struggle, right? I am exhausted. I am angry and sad. I'm all of it. 
and I was heavy, and I know that I was just, I, I could feel it in my body. I know I was just wearing it on my face. And so I had a breakfast and a lunch, and I sat, sat down with the first guy, and he asked me how I was doing, and I just unloaded on him. I told him everything that was going on. I told him the full story. I opened up. And this first man, this first mentor of mine at breakfast, he looked at me after I just laid it all out. And he said, um, sometimes that's just how it goes. I'm sure everything will work out fine. And he changed the subject. And so at that breakfast, I took a breath and I clenched my jaw and I faked it for the next hour or so. I just pretended, right? And then later that day, I went to lunch and uh, I, was in, <laughs> I was in the exact same place, right? I was heavy and hurting. I was angry. I was all of it. And I was wearing all of it. And uh, that, of course, at the second lunch, this mentor of mine asked me how I was doing. And I did the same thing. I unloaded again, round two, everything that was going on. I told just about the exact same story. But at lunch, this man looked me square in the eyes. And he said, and this is a never forget it moment in my life. He looked me in the eyes and he said, no one should have to go through what you're going through. You didn't deserve any of it. And the fact that you are here today and that you're able to talk about it is a miracle. And he pushed back from the table and he stood up and he pulled me up and he gave me a hug. And I cried in his arms at lunch at Black Walnut on Memorial. There was no pretending. There was no defending. He offered me a safe place when I needed it. And I didn't clock it then, you know, at that day in the middle of everything I was going through. I didn't clock it then. But it was a pivotal moment in my life where something somewhere in me decided that my only real job is to look people in the eye and remind them how beloved they are. To push back from tables all over the city and stand up and hug people no matter where we are. To bring sanctuary. And so I am hoping, I am working, I am praying that this community would be a place where your pain is never dismissed. You can do the ugly crying. You can be your whole true self. And we aren't going to gain a lot of power or wealth or privilege, but hopefully in some small way, our little community can truly become a sanctuary for all. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May the safety, security, and salvation of God give you the courage and freedom to be your whole true self. No pretending, no defending. Be free and be loved. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.